Welcome to Voices of Nature. I'm Bob Ludke, an advisor to Global Conservation Corps and the creator of the Voices of Nature podcast. Voices of Nature is dedicated to sharing the voices of innovative, passionate leaders committed to saving and protecting the world's most threatened natural resources. In today's episode, we're speaking with Stephanie Benedetto, a passionate, inspiring founder of Queen of Raw. Queen of Raw is an online marketplace that matches buyers and sellers of unused fabric. Instead of allowing unused fabric to wind up as trash in landfills, Queen of Raw creates a marketplace so the fabrics find a useful life with designers, manufacturers, and consumers around the world. Before we start the conversation with Stephanie, I'd like to cite a few statistics to put into context the importance of this conversation. Consider the following impacts on nature caused by fabrics used in the fashion industry. One t-shirt takes an average of 700 gallons of water to produce. That same shirt uses another 700 gallons of water to wash in its lifetime. The textile industry uses 26.4 trillion gallons of water every year. Fashion makes up 10% of the world's carbon emissions. And Americans throw away up to 11.3 million tons of textile waste each year, more than 2,100 pieces of clothing each second. While Stephanie may inspire us by showing how Queen of Raw is making a tangible, measurable impact in reducing fashion's negative impact on nature, we must also be realistic about what this conversation hopes to accomplish. Namely, each of us must better appreciate that our purchasing decisions have a real impact on nature. Saving and protecting nature goes far beyond giving money to environmental causes or sharing pictures of wildlife on social media. Rather, it starts with every one of us. We must confront the hard truth that if we are truly to protect nature, we must fundamentally change our consumption of things like the clothes we wear and the linens we use in our homes and our apartments. Despite those sobering comments, I promise this will be an inspiring episode of Voices of Nature that people will not want to miss. With all that being said, Stephanie, welcome to Voices of Nature. Thank you, Bob, so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And I do hope to inspire, but you laid out beautifully uh, what we're here to talk about. I am confident you will inspire based on all the (laughs) incredible conversations we have and, and what I know of your work. So on that note, tell us a little bit about your work, a little bit about Queen of Raw and what inspired you to launch Queen of Raw. Absolutely. Thank you again, Bob. Yes, everyone. My name is Stephanie Benedetto. And I'm the queen of raw and I'm on a mission to turn the world's pollution into profit. And my founder story actually starts almost a hundred years before I was born. In 1896, my great grandfather, Pappy, he came over on a ship from Austria. He landed at Ellis Island and he settled into the Lower East Side of New York, which was the original Jewish garment district. And he was an immigrant, right? Chasing the American dream. He had come with nothing and he had to make a living for his family. So what did he do? He actually would find materials and supplies nearby, old fabrics and furs and things that immigrants had brought over on the ships with them they weren't using anymore. And he would repurpose them by hand into the most beautiful garments with minimal waste and minimal toxins because his bottom dollar depended on it. And he sold these finished goods to local customers. And it was an incredibly profitable, successful business. You know, many of his coats and boleros I still wear today, 100 plus years later. And what's funny is he didn't talk about it as sustainability. At the end of the day, that's very much what it was. 
And of course, today's supply chains, right, are so much more complicated than in my great grandfather's day. You know, Bob, as you described in the introduction, we have hundreds of steps now across the globe through a supply chain. Metric tons of water, chemicals, crops, and oil are used in the process. But I tell this story because I think it really has inspired my vision and my dream for the company. And that is simply, how can we use technology to get back to the way my great-grandfather did business in a way that makes sense for people, for planet, and for profit? And so I keyed in early on to kind of how powerful supply chains were, how they connected us all around the globe but how wasteful they were. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, through the pandemic, we have more supply chain waste, unused textiles and inventory than ever before. And this stuff causes financial, operational, regulatory, and and reputational harm, right? It just sits there in warehouses collecting dust or being burned or sent to landfill. I'll give you one more scary statistic, although I don't like to harp too much on the scary statistics because I want to talk about what we can do about it to solve these problems. But before the pandemic, it was about $120 billion with a B worth of just perfectly good fashion fabrics that sit in warehouses collecting dust or got burned or sent to landfill. And through the pandemic, this has actually grown to $288 billion a year and growing. So massive volume of waste that, as you described, right, is severely damaging the world's water. But I like to take that and turn it into an opportunity. As damaging as fashion and textiles and waste is for the world's water, It also means that fashion, textiles, supply chain literally has the power to solve the world's water crisis and protect nature if we rethink how we do things. And so for our business, what do we do? We started a platform to help businesses find this waste, sell this waste, and minimize this waste going forward. And, you know, I'm excited to say we've already saved over a billion gallons of water around the world, and we're just getting started. That's actually enough clean water for 1.4 million people to drink for three years. And, you know, just to end kind of the brief introduction, my great-grandfather, Pappy, came to America wanting a better world for his family, right? And so do I. So I think that that's really what inspires me every day and how I feel that together we can change the world. That is both sobering and inspiring at the same time, <laughs> especially your, uh, your statistics. But you've touched on is the, the concept of the circular economy. And it was something that we covered in our last episode a bit about agriculture and regenerative agriculture. But the circular economy is, I mean, we can kind of overthink what it is and talk about global supply chains, but it It gets to a phrase that you use, which is turning pollution into profit. It uses a phrase that I like to use, which is turning someone else's, someone's trash into someone else's treasure. What exactly is the circular economy and how does it turn pollution into profit? Yeah, I think for so long, and and to keep this at a simple high level, we have been in this economy where we just take stuff, we make stuff. And then we wasted stuff, right? And things were moving so fast, especially before the pandemic, that we would just take, make, waste, take even more, make even more faster, and waste even more. But there was a certain 
group of core kind of people around the world who were passionate about recycling. And so certain percent of that waste started getting recycling through the recycling economy. Well, what I'm really excited about is where we now are coming into, and that is exactly as you put, this circular economy. And what's awesome about that word, unlike the S word sustainability, is that the second word in circular economy is economy. This is an economic principle that at its core means the longer that we can keep materials and resources in circulation, the more valuable and economically feasible it is for everybody, right? It makes economic sense. So this is where we get all those awesome business models that are doing resale, reuse, recirculation, recycling, all those great re's that keep beautiful things in circulation longer. And I think that's truly the transition of where the future is going and where our economy is going not just because it's good for people and planet, but kind of as we already started this conversation, because it makes economic sense. And to, to drive it home a little bit more about treating waste as a resource, as something economically viable and valuable, I think there's been this myth for so long that sustainability has to cost you more money to participate, right? And in many ways, that has led to a lot of companies not adopting these principles and perhaps a lot of consumers not buying these products because they assume it's going to cost them more money because it's sustainable. Well, the good news is, is that if you think about it, for a business to focus on its waste, all that unused stuff we just talked about from raw materials to finished goods that traditionally, you know, gets burned or landfilled, they actually can take that stuff and sell it today and actually make money. And then they can take the money they make and they can put it back into doing other good things in their work and in their supply chain. You can pay your workers more. You can adopt more circular economy technology and innovations. You can use more sustainable materials and you can do it without your overall CapEx expenditure going up. And I think that's really critical to how we think about building sustainable solutions for the future, right? It has to make business sense. Otherwise, why would a business adopt it? They've got investors and stakeholders and people at large to answer to. And if it doesn't make economic sense, why would you as a consumer buy it? And so then it doesn't do anyone any good. So I think that's what I'm really excited about in looking at the circular economy. How do we unlock value for businesses, for consumers, for everybody across the supply chain? It has to make sense for people, planet and profit. And I want to encourage everyone across the industries and around the world to be able to participate in the circular economy, right? Because changing, even for the biggest companies, just a small percent of the way they do business can have such a massive impact on this world. I mean, for one of our enterprise customers, a Fortune 500 brand, we saved them 15% of their bottom line in just one year, just by finding, selling, and recycling this waste. And not only that, by having the impact measurements of all the good work they did and being able to talk about the good work they did to their customers, they actually saw three times the conversion rate in their online direct-to-consumer business just by talking about it. And I mention that because, you know, this waste, yes, this trash becomes someone else's treasure who wants to buy it, keep it in circulation and use it. But it's also a treasure, a resource and a value for the company that's selling it. And that's how we try to unlock value 
for everyone across the supply chain. And I think that's important as we think about the future. We're at this incredibly unique moment that we're all going through with the pandemic. I think if any good can come out of what's going on in the world, it's that it's opened our eyes and we can see the need to do better for people and planet really touched everyone to help us understand why we're at home, what really matters, how we care and treat our people, our planet, our loved ones, our animals, nature, right? And so the fact now that people felt that and are starting to change the way they think about things, I think unlocks huge opportunity for what we want the future to look like. And I'm a big believer that the future supply chain is going to be more circular, more on-demand, more local, more digital. And I think that's going to allow us not only to survive what's going on in the world today, but truly thrive coming out of this and do better for tomorrow. You touched on the queen of raw a little bit in, in your business model, which is you know very much a market-driven, for-profit business model. Explain to us a little bit more how Queen of Raw works in this kind of often amorphous concept of the circular economy, like tangibly bring us into how it works so we can understand the circular economy in action. Yeah. You know, at our core and how we started Queen of Raw, Bob, when you first met me, was as a marketplace. Very simply, we saw all this beautiful unused textiles that sat in warehouses or was going to be burned or landfilled. And we said, how funny, because there are so many designers, students, makers, crafters, quilters, creators in the world who want access to this stuff, but they don't, right? They don't have it, or they didn't traditionally. And so how can we use technology to provide the bridge between the two? And so we opened Queen of Rose a Marketplace so anyone from that student, maker, crafter to the biggest brands, retailers, and Fortune 500 companies in the world could buy and sell their unused fabric keep it out of landfill. And as you said in the introduction, right, turn what would be pollution into profit. Sellers make money selling their textile waste, freeing up that very valuable, costly warehouse space. And buyers get access quickly, easily, digitally at their fingertips to these beautiful, high-quality textiles that would otherwise have sat in a warehouse or been burned in landfill, and they would never have gotten access to it. Not only do they get access to it, but as a buyer, you get access to this sustainable dead stock fabric at a discount. So how do you say no to that, right? It truly becomes a win-win-win. And that was kind of at our core, our value proposition. And you can think about it like a StockX, a ThreadUp, a RealReal, a Poshmark, a Depop, but for fabrics. But like, you know, any good solution, of course, as time went on and as we built this incredible community of now half a million users and more growing globally, we realized there was more that we could offer um, or, or the companies we worked with, the consumers we worked with. And so we've had a lot of exciting growth in technology innovations in order to allow even more participants to be able to be a part of our solution and, and to benefit from the tools that we've built. One of the biggest learnings, like any business, right? You look at a problem like nature and the world's water crisis, and you know, to be on a mission to solve the world's water crisis is a bold proposition. But in that, you have to know where to start somewhere, and they'd be able to right grow from there. And so, to us, the marketplace was a quick, easy way to start keeping this stuff in circulation longer and allow people to participate in what you know the circular economy. But as you do that, and as you bring together, especially using technology in the digital space, 
all of these actors and parties who had never come together before. They're incredible opportunities to have even more of a powerful impact, right? And do even better. And so for us, one of the biggest learnings is that the challenge in what we were doing was not in the demand. There's massive demand for access to these materials. The challenge for us was in the supply. And not because all of this waste and unused fabric isn't out there, but because how do you get it quickly and easily from the warehouse into the web and into buyers' hands? That was going to be the magic and the secret sauce. And that's where we, as a technology company, needed to spend a lot of our time. And so that's where now we ended up building full enterprise software in the cloud so that large to Fortune 500 enterprise companies across industries and around the world can participate in our solution. And they can do it quickly and easily and cost-effectively. And, you know, at our core, the solution now allows them to find all this waste in their complex supply chains and click a button and take action. Click a button and I want to reuse it now that I know about this stuff. Click a button, I want to resell it, make some money, and treat this waste as a resource, right? Give it to someone else as their treasure. Or click a button and recycle it or donate it. And that's really exciting because it allows us to do what we're doing automated and at scale and have even more of a massive impact while bringing our solution to an even larger group of people. So very excited to see how it grows. It's just the beginning. And um, yeah, we, we have a lot of exciting stuff in the works. So Queen of Raw... It's an online marketplace, right? If I'm a, a would-be quilter and I wanted to find fabric for my quilt, I could go to your website and peruse your collection. And it's then essentially a, what, an online library or database of all the fabric around the yeah. world that is in your, what, your network that I could then source from? Is that how it works? That's exactly right. Open marketplace, click a button and have readily available access to what you need when you need it, at a discount. And you can actually search by geography and find what you need located near where you are to cut down on the cost and carbon emissions of shipping. So it is a very open, democratized kind of access to resource marketplace readily available to everyone. Because to your point, we want everyone to be able to participate in these solutions. Everyone from a student maker, crafter to a Fortune 500. And the impact, what's unique about that is I don't think people realize, but the impact of rescuing even just that one yard of fabric, we track and measure what it's made of where it comes from, and who it goes to. And we spent over the past year with MIT and the United Nations, among others. And we can now report back to you as a consumer. Here's the amount of water, chemicals, carbon emissions, waste, and dollars that were saved by the actions I took purchasing that unused fabric as opposed to going out and manufacturing new. And when you get those kind of metrics and numbers, I think it becomes really powerful to understand how, even though it may seem like a small act when you add it up, it actually is how we solve these climate crisis. How do we scale this wonderful work, right? I mean, going back to the statistics you and I are you know, bandying about here. I mean, this is a massive, massive problem. Yet it feels like the status quo too often prevails. How do you scale not just the queen of raw, but maybe even the circular economy more broadly and, and frankly, scale it more quickly because as we all know, time is wasting. Yes, no, it has to. And I think 
we talked about kind of this myth that sustainability has to cost you more money to participate. Well, there's also a myth that sustainability isn't scalable. So many people think of that S word sustainability as good for like a little pilot project or a little eco-conscious collection, right? But they don't realize that leveraging technology and where we are in the world today, this can be done automated at scale across industries and around the world. And to just kind of put it in context and hone a little on what we're talking about, as I mentioned, we started Queen of Raw at its inception as a marketplace, an open platform for the buying and selling of this unused inventory and waste. But if you think about it, a marketplace to sell waste and unused inventory, it's great. But it's also kind of like just a Band-Aid that you're slapping on the problem. You have waste? Here, go sell it on Queen of Raw and make some money, right? How do you actually get to the root of the problem and understand, especially for larger companies, why did you have this waste in the first place? How much is actually there? Where in the world does it sit and who is it eventually going to go to? And I think that's where we need to lean in and understand with technology and circular economy um, how to solve these problems. And so for us, that's where we leverage powerful tools like the machine learning and blockchain, which I'm sure people hear and talk about all the time. And we have a big integration with SAP and other inventory software solutions because it's critical for businesses to be able to do this automated and at scale in order to get the enterprise adoption that we need to solve these problems. It is critical for businesses to be able to capture the right data, know what's going on in their supply chain so they can solve this problem and act on it. But I think it's also equally important that they can stand by their actions. So many companies, if you look at what's going on in the world, are actually starting to do or doing really good work to protect people, planet, and nature. But a lot of times they're keeping these stories in this very close to their chest. They're afraid of talking about it because if they make one little error or misstatement or they don't have the proof, then it could have been based on faulty information and they can get destroyed in the press, right? Well, the good news is that now, thanks to technology, companies can have record and a proof and integrity to the data they collect and can stand by their actions, And I say that because I think that's very important, both sides of the coin, in order to be able to solve these problems, take action, but then talk about the good work that we're doing. And, you know, Bob, I know you spend an incredible amount of time and do an unbelievable job helping innovators and companies and people like us amplify our story and share what we are doing. Because we can be building the greatest stuff in the world, but if nobody knows about it, if people don't act on it, if they're not incentivized to participate, and if it doesn't make sense, then why are they going to do it? And I think that's really where we need to get to and how we think about this. Because eventually, it would be great if we get to a place in the world where we don't even need to say that S-word sustainability, because it's just the way good business is done, right? And that's how we scale and solve these things. Well, let's pick up on that last point a bit. So you've laid out this incredibly impressive effort underway at Queen of Raw to, you know, invest in all kinds of technologies to, you know, accelerate your growth, so on and so forth. But I mean, there really is the other side of the equation, which is consumer behavior, consumer perceptions. And there's only so much companies can do unless the consumers come along on this journey with them. I still feel like we have a long way to go to start before we fully shift the consumer mindset to getting away from this belief that sustainability only applies to a few products or it's, a, to your point, a pilot program or 
Yep. Something that's a, a nice to have, but not a need to have. So how here's do, what, how do we, how do we change this? Yeah. You know, I think what's interesting about the question that you asked is you're, you're talking about changing consumer habits. And while I do believe it's possible, I agree with you that it takes a long time to do that. And when it comes to the climate crisis, we don't have that kind of time. So I'm a firm believer, although this you know can be challenged by others, my point of view is we're not going to change consumer habits, at least overnight. But how can we build business models and sustainable solutions that actually meet consumers where they are while adding sustainable value? Right. And that's what I think is a little bit different about how we think about things. Um, ultimately, yes, it would be nice for consumers to consume less, um, at least less of especially certainly bad products that are very bad for people and planet. But let's be honest, at least where we are right now, consumers want to consume. They want to consume things at a discount and they want to be able to change their outfits and their clothing multiple times a day for their Instagram, you know, and TikTok videos. So how can we actually meet them where they are while being more sustainably minded? And this is what I think is, is so unique about the Queen of Raw model. And it's similar to like the ThreadUp model. I was actually on a panel with one of the founders of ThreadUp a little while ago. And he said something very interesting. He said, you know, I consider what ThreadUp and Queen of Raw doing are in some ways kind of competitive to fast fashion. I said, oh, that's interesting. What do you mean? And he said, well, if you think about it, we can allow as consumers you to buy stuff from ThreadUp or as a designer who's designing a lot of stuff from Queen of Raw. And you can buy it out of these rescued repurposed garments and textiles. Um, and then when you're done with it, you can turn around and resell it on ThreadUp or Queen of Raw and keep it in circulation. So you can still change those outfits. You can still design and create new things, but doing it out of this waste as a resource allows you to do it in a sustainable way and also get it at a discounted price. And so I thought that was a very interesting way to to say because it meets the consumer where they are while still having some sustainable impact that we can track, measure, and report on for the environment. So, you know, in the short term, I think this is just the beginning of this shift in consumer habits, but it gives us a place to start and to think about where we start this shift in this move while meeting consumers where they are, because at the end of the day, businesses are businesses, consumers are consuming, and we need to be able to support that in the right way. But for those who want to go the, should we say, the extra mile, what steps can each of us take in just in our lives, day in and day out, to either reduce our consumption, reduce the our, should we just say, our own environmental footprint, or more broadly, foster things like the circular economy? Yeah. Well, I, you know, for what I do, this isn't just fashion. I mean, textiles touch everyone everywhere in the world every day. It's your clothing, but as you mentioned in the intro, it's also the material on your chair, the inside of your car, the carpet under your feet right now. Um, and our solution extends to beyond just textiles. If you think about it, any raw material or finished good that is waste that you're not using could perhaps be repurposed, reused, resold, recycled, donated. So those are some of the beginning of the small, simple actions that we as individuals, as consumers can take Yes, ultimately reducing consumption, buying one less T-shirt a year, if we all did that, can have a massive impact on the planet. But it is in many ways, uh, you know, a, 
we have to start somewhere. And those recycling and donating simple little actions that I'm sure many people out there are already doing, but can, when you add them up, just know that it's having a massive impact. Some of the more powerful things we could all do, you know, I think it is important that we come together as citizens and innovators in large companies and government in order to rethink kind of what our world looks like. And one interesting example, we joined forces with H&M, Unilever, Cisco, Goldman Sachs, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and a number of the NYC, EDC, and a number of other organizations in order to write a white paper and reimagine what New York City going circular in the coming years would look like. It's called the New York Circular City Initiative. What I think is unique about what we did here and what anyone can participate in and be a part of in their own city or state is that we wrote this paper And it wasn't just about what we're going to do. Let's change the laws and make New York City circular in the coming years and slap businesses with millions of dollars in liability. It was about how many good jobs could be created and how much money could be saved and made by New York City going circular in the coming years. And I think that was a unique point of view, too, in how to put this movement forward. And so you can check it out on circularnyc.org. And if it's something you want to be a part of in your own city and state or globally, feel free to reach out because I think there are little steps we as consumers and individuals can take, but there are also powerful steps that we as a collective, right, can take together and, and never doubt that your actions don't have the power, the ability to move mountains and change the world. Which brings me to my favorite question that I like to ask every <laughs> guest on the podcast is, you know, what, despite all the challenges, right? Again, we go back to all the statistics we, we cite about all the water consumed, all the carbon emissions, all the waste, yet there are so many reasons to be hopeful. I mean, there's the, you know, just right here, the city of New York kind of rethinking its role in the circular economy and how to become more circular. Like what, on, the, on a personal level, like what inspires you? What has inspired you to, frankly, create the queen of raw, take such bold action to make the world just a little bit better? Look, I mean, my great-grandfather, as I mentioned, he came to America wanting a better world for his family. And as I said, so do I. I want my sons to have clean water to drink, clothes that aren't toxic to wear and a planet to live on. And, uh, you know, on the days like anybody out there, right, that it feels overwhelming or there are challenges that I don't know how to think through, I think of two things. One, I look at the metrics and the statistics and how much we have saved in water, chemicals, carbon emissions and waste. And it reminds me that the work we are doing, although hard, is powerful, is having an impact. And then I think a lot of this one moment where um, obviously if the accent doesn't give it away, I am a New York City girl. And I was pushing my then three-year-old son, a little over three, in the New York City streets in his stroller. And it was loud as the New York City streets can be. And I hear this noise coming out of the stroller and I leaned forward at the time. And all I hear is, are you naked right now? No, because you're using fabric. It's everywhere and it's polluting your water. My three-year-old was doing my 60 second pitch. (laughs) And on the one hand, I said, okay, maybe as a working mom, I've been practicing that pitch too many times while pushing the stroller in the New York city streets. But then, you know what I said on the other hand, if this three-year-old can understand it, then anyone can get it and we can and will change the world. That's a great way to end this conversation, Stephanie. And, and I would just urge everyone listening to this episode to take a few moments and visit the Queen of Raw's website. It doesn't matter if you know fashion or fabrics are your thing. 
it just it is a tangible example of the circular economy and how we can create market-based solutions to address frankly problems we have to solve if we're going to have the better future that stephanie just talked about so please take a few moments anyone who's listening to this to, to visit queen of raw learn about stephanie's work and stephanie thank you so much for your time and more importantly really for all that you're doing to make the world just a little bit better Thank you for having me. Thrilled to have been here. And, and let's go change the world. That we will.